Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Good to have you here. Good to see you. This is our last service of our series guardrail. So I was sitting down there thinking, I wonder what they're going to do with that guardrail. You could probably auction that off. Anybody want to take anything home with them? <laughs> well, we're finishing up our series guardrail, and if... If you're here for the first time, somebody invited you today, maybe they didn't tell you what we're going to talk about because we've talked about friendships and relationships. We talked about marriage guardrails. We talked about different things. Today, we promise to talk about sexual morality, guardrails for our sexual morality. So if somebody invited you and this is your first time here, you have come to a doozy. You, you may have not been expecting what you have gotten yourself into, but we'll try to make it uh, both good, informative, and something very practical because our desire with this series is that it would be practical. It's not just a a neat concept. It's something that that our prayer is that we would all establish guardrails in our life for all the errors that we've talked about. And today, we're going to talk about our, our morality. So let's jump into it real quick. I'll give you a quick review, and then we're going to get into some real specific guardrails for married couples and for singles. So the whole concept of this, uh, of this series is to look at a guardrail, and a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off road or off-limit areas. So we know that's true in, in, in our driving experience. And so we looked at that and thought, okay, so what would it look like if, if we took that and applied that to our life? What would it look like if, if, we, if we developed guardrails in, in, in our life? And so then we talked about the interesting part of a guardrail is that a guardrail is actually placed in a safe zone. Guardrail is not exactly where the danger is. A guardrail, if you really think about it, you could actually drive on that piece of, of real estate if they would just get the thing out of there. But, but they put it in that place because the danger in that off-limit area is behind the guardrail. So guardrail is placed three feet, six feet in front of the danger zone. And, and, and so we took that concept and we thought about that. We thought, okay, so what would it look like for you and I to put guardrails in our finances, guardrails in our morality, guardrails in our marriage that, that, that wasn't right on the border of disaster, but that we, we looked at that and we placed them out front way, way, way before the dangerous area. And that's, and that's what we're talking about in this series with guardrails. So our, our personal uh, definition of a guardrail, those personal guardrails, is a standard of behavior that I choose for myself. And that's really, that's really key to think about this. It, this is something you have to choose. You can hear about it. You can think it's a neat concept. But it's something you have to embrace. You have to choose. It's something, like, something that you say, I'm going to choose that for my life. So it's a personal standard of behavior that I choose for myself that becomes a matter of conscience. In other words, when my behavior gets up close to that guardrail, something happens on the inside of me because this is what we know. There's certain conduct that if we get too far, then we're going to have 
possibly consequences in our lives for the rest of our lives. They could be permanent consequences if we don't have guardrails and we get off that off-road or we go off-roading with our life. So, So that's what we need to do. We need to place guardrails in the safe zone of our life and then... And then when we're, when, when we're going about our daily business and all of a sudden our conduct brushes up against that guardrail, bells and whistles go off. My conscience, I feel bad about something. I'm not even close to danger. I actually, God, I'm sorry. And I'm not even close to danger. That's what a guardrail is. Guardrail will keep us from straying off-road, going off-roading with our life. Because this is what you and I know. We have a tendency to, to live on the edge. We have a tendency to live on the edge in our finances. We have a tendency to live on, a, 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 on the edge in, with our relationships. We have a tendency to live on the edge on the internet. We have a tendency to live on the edge in our, in our thought life. We, we have a tendency to live on the edge. And society will push us to live on the very edge. But this is what I know about our desire for sexual intimacy in that area of our life, we need steel-reinforced guardrails. Steel-reinforced guardrails in our life because this is what I know. In almost any other area of our life, we can come back from disaster. In almost any other area of our life, we can, we can recover. You, you may not have guardrails in, 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 in your finances, and, and boom, you fall off the cliff. If you work hard enough, you apply great principles, ask God to help you, you can recover. But the reason it's so, so important to have these steel-reinforced guardrails in the area of our sexual Morality is that because if we go over the edge, listen very carefully, it's almost impossible to recover from sexual disaster. Almost impossible to recover from sexual disaster. And let me explain why. The reason why, and then I'm going to put it up on the screen. This is something that I wrote. But, th- but this is what you know, and this is what I know. Sex is not just physical. Sex is not just physical. It's way deeper than that. You know that, and I know that. Now, society society won't tell you that. Society will tell you that it's just physical. You hear the term recreational sex as if it were a sport. Because society will, 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 uh, once again, society will, will push you to the edge and, and have you living right on the line. But, but, but sex is way more than, than physical. It's way deeper than that. When a person crosses certain lines, when it comes to their desire for physical intimacy, and we all have desire for physical intimacy, it's part of creation. God created us like that, and that is awesome. We all have that desire, but when a person crosses certain lines, when it comes to their desire for physical intimacy, there are things that they carry with them the rest of their life the rest of their life and there's a lot of people in this auditorium right now that if 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 you dared to you would shake your head yes 
Because sex is way more than physical. There, there's, there, there's, it's so intertwined in who we are as, as a being and in our, in our thoughts and our emotions and that deep down thing on the inside of us that, that gives us the ability to, to, to have intimacy with, with somebody. It's, it's all intertwined. And if we, if we take our body and go off-roading... You know, it's like taking a, a, a nice little, nice little cute uh, convertible and, and take it off-road. And we, we, we don't follow the guardrails. We, we, do, we go around the guardrails and we take that thing off-road and down through the mud, through the puddles, up through the sand, in the dunes, and, and we get done. That there is going to be permanent damage done to that little convertible. You can take it to the mechanic. You can ask the mechanic, can you go through it? Can you fix it up? Hey, a, and, and they'll do the best they can, but there will be damage done. There will be damage done. So that's why it's so important than you that you and I develop guardrails when it comes to our desire for sexual intimacy. Now, I want to be real clear. I'll get real practical. I'm going to talk about some things about me, and, and, and we'll just try to keep it as, as loose as possible. But you might want to smile to the person that's next to you right now because this is the last time you're going to want to look at that person. Might get tense. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, so everybody take a deep breath. Here we go. <laughs> All right, I, I want to share a verse with you out of the Bible. And, uh, and, and so I'm going to share a verse and a half. It's in 1 Corinthians, and, and Paul wrote this. In the context of what Paul writes is sex. It's basically what we do with our body. So, so this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. One more time. Flee from sexual immorality. He doesn't say think about it, talk about it, pray about it. He says flee sexual immorality. Now, when I was thinking about preaching this message, I was thinking, this is what I ought to do, but since I'm a guest speaker here, I can't do that. If I was in my church, this is what I'd do. I would have read this verse, flee from sexual immorality, and then I would have jumped off the platform, run up the aisle, out the door, and left the premises. <laughs> Gone, and you would have had a nine-minute, 57-second sermon on sexual immorality. It's real simple. Flee, gone. And, and I guarantee you one thing, you would have had that, you would have had that, that memory in your mind. You would always remember, I remember that one day I went to church, this crazy dude talked for 10 minutes and all of a sudden he just, bah, out the door. <laughs> but I can't do it because I'm a guest speaker here and I'd probably get in trouble. So, but just imagine that. that that's what the Bible says. That's what Paul's saying. He's, he's saying, flee sexual immorality. And if you're here today and you, you might be thinking, oh, good grief. That, that is exactly what I would expect a preacher to say. Let me say this to you that's thinking that thought. That right there is exactly what you want your husband to do. That right there is exactly what you want your wife to do. That right there is exactly what you want your children to do. Matter of fact, you might have drug them here this morning. It's like, you're going at your, because you knew what we were going to talk about. It's like, please, I beg you, I will take you to lunch. I will do anything. Because this is what you're thinking. You're thinking, this is what they need to hear. 
Oh, and you, and you might be thinking right now, oh, I'm so glad you, you picked somebody out of the office. I'm so glad so-and-so's here because they need this. Don't look around. You know, you may be thinking, oh, good grief, this is, just what I, this is just what I would expect them to say in church. I know, I know, but, but let me say this. That's what you want the people around you to do. You're just not sure you're going to do it. But that's what you want your husband to do. That's what you want your wife to do. That's what you want your children to do. That's what you want your best friend to do. That's what you want everybody else around you to do. You want them to do that. You're just not sure you're going to do that. And why is that? Because, and why is that so? Why, why, why does the Bible say, why does Paul say flee from sexual immorality? Because, because we live in a day and an age that, that society will push us to the edge, push us to the edge, push us to the edge. And then when we step over, society will mock us. Like, oh my Lord, did you hear? And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Society will push you to the edge in, on the internet. In the, in, you don't even have to be looking for it. You don't even have to look for it. It's just there. We live in a society that just pushes us and pushes us and pushes us. The, after I got preaching the last, the, the last time I preached here, Carla and I preached together, you know, Carla, we, we, we usually watch our, ourselves on, 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 on video so we can keep getting better and, and, and whatever. And Carla's like, you, man, your clothes are terrible. You, you need to, you need to get better. So, so we were still here after I preached. So we're going. So, so she goes to the store, to the mall, to buy me some shirts. She bought me some shirts, and they were too big. So then I tried them on. She brought them back. She bought some some different size shirts. They didn't fit. She went back a third time, bought them, and they didn't fit again. So the fourth time she says, "You're going to the store with me," because I hate going to the store. So all right, we'll go to the store. So just. Just a beautiful, wonderful afternoon. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, getting myself psychologically prepared. I have to go into a mall. And I was like, I hate those places. So we walk in the mall, and I'm cruising. I'm cruising down the aisle. We're getting, I'm just following Carl. You know, she's striding out there. She's long striding. Because she was on a mission, and I'm like, trying to keep up. Anybody ever pass Victoria's Secret store? I'm like, I'm walking over there. What the world? You got to be kidding me. I know nobody else, I, you know, everybody else is like, Ooh. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. That is, and let me say it, that is society up front and large throwing the images up there that are saying, this is what it's about. That's what it's about. And your kids from five years old on are seeing that and society is pushing them to the edge, push them to the edge, push them to the edge. And then when they go over there and society is like, oh, what a shame. Dude got fired up about Victoria's Secret. <laughs> That's why we need guardrails, friends. We need guardrails. We have to put guardrails in our life. Now, let me, let me continue on from here. If you're a Christian, you, even, you have even more of a reason that you want to do this. And this is what the Bible says. Verse 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you and whom you have received from God? And then it goes on to say, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor 
God with your bodies. Let me explain that. If one day in your life, you might have been here at this church, you might have been somewhere else, but if you're a Christian, someday during your lifetime, you decided, I need a Savior. I want my sins forgiven. I want to I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And you made a step in your life and you said, God, would you come into my life? I invite you to come into my, to my life. You accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. That's, that's what happened. It said, God came to live on the inside of you. In that moment that you did that, God came to, to live on the inside of you. And now he lives on the inside of you. That's why Paul says, do, do you not know? And, and, and Paul wrote that because he didn't think they knew. Do you not know? And it's in the context of, of spiritual, or excuse me, of sexual morality. Don't you know? Flee sexual immorality. Don't you know that God, if, you've, if you're a Christian, don't you know that God lives on the inside of you? He bought you. He lives on the inside of you. He is on the inside. So then when it's all said and done, and I love this because if you're here today and, and you're like, well, where do I set the boundaries? Where, okay, where's the guardrail? And, and we don't have time today to, to, today to talk about all, you know, this and this. And this. Well, I'm going to talk about s- several guardrails. But if, if you say, well, well, how do I figure this out? This last sentence is huge. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In other words, don't take your body off roading. Set some guardrails. Honor God with your body. So, so uh, we'll just put it together real quick. Honor God with your body. So if, if it's dishonoring to God, don't do it with your body. It's pretty simple. If it's dishonoring to God, don't take your body there. Don't go there. If it's dishonoring to God, don't look at it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? If you say, well, I don't know where the guardrails are. Okay, honor God. Just honor God. So if it's dishonoring to God, don't take your body there. If it's dishonoring to God, don't go there or don't do it with your body or don't go there or don't look at it. So, so basically the rule of measure should be Does this honor God? Because once again, Paul says, because if you're a Christian, he's on the inside of you. If you're here today and and that's never happened in your life, when I finish up the service, I'm going to give you a chance to, to invite Jesus into your heart. You don't have to live alone either. So honor God. The the litmus test with this thing is, am I honoring God? Am I honoring God with where I'm going? Am I honoring God with what I'm looking at? Am I honoring God with with what I'm doing with my body? That's it. That's it. So having said that, I want to take the rest of my time. I want to talk to you about some real clear and practical guardrails. First, I'm going to start out with the married people. Then we're going to go to the single people. You ready? Okay, here we go. Guardrails. These are real practical, and these are this list. I'm gonna, I'm, this list is real short. There could be 150, but they wouldn't give me enough time. So this real, this list is real short. We're starting out with the married people. Guardrail number one: married, don't travel alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Just don't do it. 
Just don't do it. Don't travel alone with someone of the opposite sex. Just don't do it. Carl and I talked a little bit about this when we were, when, when, when we were speaking together here two weeks ago and talking about guardrails for our marriage. But just don't travel alone. And, and that means don't travel alone in a vehicle. Don't travel alone. Just don't travel alone in, in, in traveling in, in an airplane with other people, or with, with, with somebody of the opposite sex going somewhere. Just don't do it. You might be sitting here thinking, you live in a box because my context, that is impossible. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, just don't do it because what happens? Well, why, why can't I get in a car with somebody of the opposite sex? Because this is what happens. You get in a car in an isolated environment and you begin to talk. And you talk about subjects and the subjects with that talk are feelings and with those feelings come thoughts and and, and, and and our lives become intertwined and it can happen real fast it can happen in a five-minute conversation so, so just don't do it just don't do it figure it out if if your marriage is important enough to you then you'll figure it out how to do that. You know, I, I, I live in Saltillo, Mexico, and we, we've got a couple of churches down there. I live uh, in Saltillo, and we have a church in Monterey, which is about 60 miles away. Well, lots of times I have to have meetings in Monterey, and I have an assistant. She's a female. female. Her name is Gabriela, and, and I need her to be at the meeting in Monterey. So it's, it's an hour away from meeting time. We need to drive to Monterey. So she grabs her keys. I grab my keys. We, we might walk out to the, to the uh, parking lot together. And it's like, see you there. Yep, see you there. She gets in her car. Ring. I get in my car. Ring. We drive down the highway. We pull, pay our tolls. We go, might wave at each other on the highway. We get to Monterey and we park our cars and both get out of our separate cars. You might think that is ridiculous. I don't. I just think that's normal, standard operating procedure for a married man. You might think these are extreme, and I'm okay with that. But number one, married, don't travel alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Number two, married people, don't eat alone with someone of the opposite sex. And you might think, he's even getting crazier. Listen up. That right there, every single time that I've had to deal with some, some situation that has to do with, with uh, um, adultery or an affair, listen up, every single time, that's where it started right there. Every single time. I've never been part of having to deal with some type of an affair or, 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 or some type of marriage that's, that went off roading that, this, that that wasn't part of it. Because he said to her, hey, should we get a cup of coffee? And that coffee turned to lunch, and then that lunch turned to dinner. And hey, should we get a nightcap? And by the way, alcohol is involved in 80% of all affairs. Because when you sit down and drink a cup of coffee with somebody and begin to talk, something begins to happen on the inside. In married couples, you declared exclusivity to the person you made those vows with. You have no business sitting down, having a cup of coffee with somebody of the opposite sex, eating lunch, eating dinner. Figure it out. You're like, that is impossible. I'm a salesperson. I have to figure it out. Figure it out. I'm just saying that that is danger right there. That is danger. Number three, married couples, don't hire cute members of the opposite sex because you want to help them. 
And I specifically have this for this church environment because us Christians, are, are, we do screwball things because we want to help people, and we do want to help people. I'm a pastor. I am a professional helper. I want people to get help, and we, should, and, and we should want to help people, and we should get people the help they need. But how many times have I talked to, to, to married couples, and she's saying, I told him I wasn't comfortable with her. I told him, or I told her that I wasn't comfortable with him working with her. I told them. Why? Because we want to help people. And it's like, well, but she needed that job. Probably one of the most compassionate things you could do in life was say no and get her real good help. That's compassion for your marriage and it's compassion for her or vice versa. It sounds extreme, but I'm telling you, these are guardrails. Guardrails aren't, aren't in the danger zone. Guardrails are out front. They're out front. I was talking to a couple, and, and, and this is just basically the way it goes. It's like, and they were already having problems. She said, I told, I, I told him I didn't want her to be his assistant. He said, but she needed help. Her response was, why do all the pretty ones always need help? <laughs> Hello? Number four, married people. Don't confide in or counsel members of the opposite sex. That, that's what happens at the coffee. The coffee and the lunch and the dinner. And the, that's what begins to happen. It's like, hey, would you like to get a cup of coffee? And they're sitting there and coffee. So, 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 so she's innocent, you know. She's like, so how's your wife? How are the kids? Well, they're doing all right. They're, you know, we, we're having some, some situation. Well, tell me about it. Well, you know, and he begins to talk, and then it, because he begins to open up to her, and, and she's like, she's feeling so cherished because, wow, he, he, he trusts me. And, she, and, and he's thinking, she gets me. She understands. She's the per first person to ever understand me. And he, nobody has ever understood me like you. Oh, my good grief. What? And you laugh, but that happens so many times. And let me tell you something. It's like a bad movie. It's like a bad movie. It's like, and let me tell you something. If you were watching a movie and you saw a scene like that, you would know exactly where the plot's going, yes or no? You'd know exactly what was going to happen. You'd know. You're sitting there watching a movie, and it's like, oh, yeah, I know where this is going. And people do that all the time. Don't do it. Just don't do it. So this is like the anti-Nike message. You know, I preached a message, just do it. Now I'm like, just don't do it. So they're thinking, well, Vareekin, what's the deal? We do it or don't we do it? Depends on what we're talking about. Just don't do it. And when you say that, you have to go up an octave. Want to say that with me? One, two, three. No, you guys are way too high. I'm not that high. Like you guys are making fun of me. <laughs> just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't confide in members of the opposite sex. Number five, when you feel your heart or desire drifting towards a specific person, tell someone. When you feel your heart 
or your desire drifting towards a specific person, tell someone. What I mean by that specific person is not just somebody of the opposite sex, but when you feel your heart going towards someone, and, and you know what I'm talking about, married people, you know what I'm talking about. Just because you go to an altar and say, yes, I do, doesn't, doesn't exempt you from being tr- attracted to somebody else. But when that happens, and it's a specific person, you need to talk to somebody. And, and it may not be your spouse. I'm not saying go to your spouse and tell them. What I'm saying is you should have somebody in your life. Like I have people in my life that, that when there's something like that, we talk. We talk. I've got a, a guy named Roberto, Robert, and Alejandro. They're my buds. We, we, we're, we're, we're together all the time. And if there's something going on in his life, my life, whatever, we talk about. I remember four months ago, excuse me, four years ago, I was preaching in our church, and I was already preaching, so we were like 45 minutes into the service. In our, in our church auditorium, is about 650 people. We've got three services. So when somebody walks into the auditorium, it's not that big, so you notice them. Well, I was preaching one, one day, and, and this young lady, they opened the door. She, this young lady walked into the church. Well, some reason, some, some, some crazy reason why I don't know about it was just like she caught my attention. And she sat down, and I kind of forgot about it, and I was preaching, and, I was, and, and, and my eyes rolled across, and once again, boom. Well, I was preaching, I thought, well, that's, that's kind of weird. The next week, I'm preaching, and boom, I pick her out of the audience again, and, 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 and I feel attracted towards her. I don't know why. She was just getting to me. A third week, between the third and the fourth week, I found myself during the week thinking, okay, I got, well, this is weird. I got, this is not good. Okay, God, you need, to, you need to help me with this and don't let me see her and who knows what. Fourth week, boop, there she is. So not only am I feeling attracted to her during the weekend, but I'm starting to think about her during the week. Well, after the sixth week, I said, that's it. That's it. I, this is weird. I'm preaching, and I am totally distracted by, by a lady that's in our audience. So, so I just, when the service ended, I called my assistant over, Gabriela. I said, Gabby, go get Roberto and Alejandro right now. And if you can't find them, if they're somewhere in the campus, you make sure you point that person. See that, see that girl right there? Yeah. Point her out to them. And she did. So when everything was done, everybody went away. I brought them in my office. He said, you see that, did you see that girl that Gabby pointed you out to? Yeah. Is that... Man, I got to just tell you guys, I don't know why, but she just, she's just getting to me. I don't know why I just feel this attraction towards her. And you know, I talked to them that afternoon, and, and we talked a little bit, and I was, bah, that was it. It was done. She kept coming to church, nothing there at all. I just needed to, I just need to expose a secret, and, and, and boom, that's it. Carla knows about this. I, I talk about all this stuff in, 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 in public. It's not something that I hide, but it, you just have to put guardrails in your life. Singles, real quick. Here we go. Singles, you ready? You ready, you ready, you ready? Number one, just gouge out your eyes with a spoon. <laughs> all right, let's pray. I told you to be worth it. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing you. But there is a verse that says something like that, but I don't get it, so I just kind of skip over it. It's like, that's confusing. And I don't know where there's any spiritual application there. So 
But if it were possible, it would be all right. Number one, number one, just apply the married people's guidelines when you're dealing with married people. Just apply the married people's guidelines. So that's why I said pay attention to this because it, it, the married people, you deal all the time with married people. Just apply those guidelines. Don't travel alone with somebody that's married. Don't, tra- don't have coffee, have dinner, confide in somebody that's married. In other words, you don't be that other person. You don't be that other girl that's tripping around, going up to the married guy saying, can you explain this to me? Just you don't be that other person. So number one, just apply married people's guidelines when you're dealing with married people. As singles, have friends that are singles and get to know people and have a a great, healthy relationship with other people. But when it comes to married people, don't even get close. It's like... That dude's married. But you're, I don't even want to talk to you. And this, and, and this, is, and this, is, what, this is what Christians think. Oh, that's mean. That's probably the best advice you ever hear. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm talking about safeguarding relationships. Number two, singles. No sleepovers. All the singles, take a picture of that up on the screen. <laughs> Hang it on your refrigerator. I, matter, matter of fact, put it on your front door. <laughs> yep. Th- this is what I know. In, in, in our day and age, sleepovers are, for, for adult singles are just common. Folks, sleepovers are for eight-year-olds. And you might be saying, well, well, my girlfriend sleeps over, but, 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 we, but we're not doing anything. Guardrails are about way in front of that danger zone, way in front. Because that just isn't even wise. You're telling me there's a person in your apartment that's sleeping 20 feet away from you that you have feelings for and you're attracted to and there's only a drywall wall between you? I know that's funny, but it's serious. It's like, yeah, right. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just set boundaries. Like, I, there are no sleepovers. There are no sleepovers. And because in this day and age, that is just, that's just common. That's common. One day you want an out-of-this-world, incredible marriage. You need to decide right now, today, 2nd of October, 2016, I am going to implement guardrails in my life. Number three, singles, number three. That's all the married people clapping. That's the married people with that golf clap. There's a lot of golf clapping in this congregation. It's like, are you ready to take up offering? Are you ready to? (laughs) My plane leaves in two hours. Number three. Single people. If the dating scene or singles world that you are part of, if a date has become equivalent to sex, and I will explain this, you need to stop, take a break, have no relationships for one year. One year. Let me explain where I come up with that, and then we're going to finish. Um, 
for years and years and years in different series that I do, when I'm talking to singles, I, I, I understand the world that singles live in and living on the edge. And, and so many times date means sex. In, in Latin America, third date. If you haven't had sex by the third date, it's not, there's no dating going to happen more. And I would imagine it's, it's at least that here in the United States. The United States usually more ahead of, of the, the rest of the world in, in those issues. And for years and years, I've always challenged young people. If, if, if in your dating world or, or your relational world, if date means sex, I challenge you to take one year off and allow God to renew your mind and to change your heart and to do some incredible things in your life. And I can't explain, of, I've preached for over 31 years that challenge, I've received more letters from people thanking me for that challenge than any other thing that I ever preach for 31 years. Okay, hold on. Somebody started clapping, and everybody was thinking, well, geez, this can't be a golf clap. We <laughs> now we're all messed up. I'm serious. We... I've had more people thank me and say, John, you know what? For me, date meant sex, and, and I had taken my, my body off-road, and, and there was all kinds of mixed-up emotions and stuff like that, and I took a year off, and God did awesome things in my life, and he changed my heart, and I'm on the road to, to something totally different. I got a letter that Carla passed on to me just yesterday. She passed it on. This letter was written by Oscar Perales, who's in Denmark, he wrote, he said, you know, John, I watch, your, I watch you every week. And, and when you gave that challenge, this was two years ago, to take a year off, I took a year off. He said, I can't even explain what happened in my life. God changed the way I think in my heart. And I see life totally different. And today he's married, lives in Denmark. He's a, he's a Latin young man. He said, I'd never have the marriage that I have today if I would have just continued on my same path. Singles, if date is equivalent to sex and you've taken your body off-road, I will challenge you, I would challenge you today, put an X on the 2nd of October 2016 and then put an X on 2nd of October 2017 and take one year off, one year, one whole year. And that you say, God, I, I, I want you to change my mind and change my heart in this thing. Because the key to, to a great, incredible once-in-a-lifetime marriage is exclusivity, exclusivity. And that exclusivity starts when you're single, not when you're married. Guardrails. Every day I look for more places to create guardrails in my life because I don't, I don't want to be a casualty. I want to have great guardrails in my life, great, be a great model and a help to other people. And I hope you will too. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, I thank you so, so much for every person here, the married people, the single people. Lord, this series, we've talked for a month about guardrails in different areas of our life. And Lord, I ask that you would take the words that we've spoken and seal it on the inside of 
each one of us and help us to to not just be hearers, but to be doers and to create guardrails and and, and to let our our spouses and other friends know these are my guardrails so they can call us on it. That you'd help us to live great lives. Father, I thank you for that. Before we finish today, I just want to ask everybody a question here. I, I, I talked about what 1 Corinthians 6 says that when a person accepts Christ, God comes on the inside and lives with, with somebody. And if you're here today and, and you've never done that, well, I'd love to pray with you. I did it 34 years ago. It changed my life. Now every day I talk with God. He's my best friend. And if he's not your best friend, he can start being your best friend today if you'll just ask him to come into your heart. So if you're here today and you'd like me to pray with you, I'd love to say a prayer with you and help you open the door of your heart to God. If that's you, right where you're at, right now, I want you to raise up your hand. Just lift your hand up real high so I can see your hand. I see yours. I see your hand back there. Who else would, would lift up their hand up in the balcony and say, I, I, want, I want to do that. I want to invite God in, into my heart. Anybody else? Yeah? A couple young gentlemen up front here. Awesome. All right, this is what we're going to do real quick. If you raised your hand, if you're in the balcony and you're here, in just one minute, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And if you raise your hand, I'm going I'm to get down off the platform. I'm going to come down here up front. And I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, you come down front. And I'm going to say a prayer personally with you. So let's give those that raise their hand, let's give a big hand clap. Everybody stand to your feet, if you would. I'm going to come down here. I want to pray with, with some of you all. Two gentlemen, come on up. There's about three people in the back. Got to do this real quick. If you're up in the balcony, come on down. What's happening, my man? Yeah. Awesome. They're tripping out. They're tripping out. (laughs) Don't worry about it. They're all looking at me, too. I'm used to it. (laughs) All right. Anybody else? There's there's still some people coming down? All right. We're going to hang out here. Awesome. Guys, we're going to say a prayer. And and it's just real simple. I'll pray. You repeat these these words with me. And just believe it in your heart. The Bible says that if, if we'll open the door to our heart to God, he'll come in, into our life, forgive our sins, and he'll make us new. All right? Is there people coming down yet? I got word that there were still people coming down. All right. All right, everybody, let's pray together. Say these words with me. Where are we at? Oh, there is. There is. There is. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. How are you? How you doing, man? Come on. Let's go to pray. We're going to pray together. Let's pray together. Say these words. Repeat them with me. And you're going to say, God, come into my heart. And, and he's going to come. And it's going to be incredible. Your life will be changed forever. It's the beginning of a new life. So let's all pray. Let, congregation, let's just help these guys. Let's help them pray together. So say it with me, Father. I thank you in Jesus' name. That today I will have a new life. I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. 
I thank you for forgiving my sins and making me a new person. I want to know you. And I want you to know me. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.